Hi, everybody. Welcome back. It's Julie Bates with the podcast, Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 190. And in today's episode, I will give a, a really very brief uh, G update because I'm just going to keep that going. And then I, I kind of wrapped up the dog building thing. I think I probably gave way more detail than people <laughs> even want or need on that. So it's going to be just some technical training aspects today for my pointing retriever people. I have had a number of uh, listener questions and issues, and I thought I'd, I would address those in a, in a single podcast. So it's going to be um, just kind of technical stuff. The, uh, the G update is that we were able to have enough snow melted. We could go do upland. And so she, uh, the only thing she did, I think she tried to break on the gun with me on one bird. Other than that, um, she's consistently pointing and holding and not moving and creeping on him or anything um, like she did when she first started pointing, which is often a meaningful thing. And her sister did the same thing. Um, I've had to work a little harder to get into her head about this stuff and what she's thinking. But anyway, she went out. I put it on Facebook so that her owners could see it for themselves. Um, because I keep reporting on G and talking about her sister. And, and I, so I put her on there so they could see that, you know, she's, we're going to make it with her too. Two very different approaches, frankly, uh, with litter mates on trying to get the same behavior out of them. So that's how I kind of want to go into the uh, talk about pointing. Everybody, it, it's a, if you haven't done it a bunch, and frankly, even if you have, you always come up encounter something new. And there's different approaches and different perspectives. So I offer one. There's other people that I ha have very different ways, different approaches, you know, successfully. So again, I'm not sitting there saying this is the final word. This is how you do it. But I will tell you, I'm up to 85 grandmasters now. So, and a whole lot more dogs than that that just trained to that level. But, um, so I feel comfortable in saying what I have found to work for me on a business level here to produce the results uh, as authentically and reasonably soon as possible without, you know, smushing the dog in any way. Because, you know, our job as trainers is also to do no harm at the same time. So two different approaches to these dogs means when I'm training these dogs, same desired endpoint, a finished pointing lab, same desired endpoint stylish, confident, enthusiastic. I want to make sure that is criteria all along the way. But so to these two different dogs and one, when, when she was put on birds from, from eight or nine weeks and every week after that, which is of course such an advantage and such a nice thing. But when she first got on, this is G, when she first got on birds, just her, nothing on, nothing, nothing, no, no cord, nothing, just a puppy out there encountering birds and she would lock up and just going be in a coma um it was i think we filmed one that was a minute 57 or 47 where she just stood there in a point so instead of getting in the middle of it i just let her stand there and just to see what she did and what she made of that and, and that's a very important thing for people to do is we all know what we want especially with these pointing retrievers, right? Because we're kind of bucking the system and we've seen some really great ones and we just really want that. So we tend to overdrive a lot, and in my opinion. And so, you know, if everyone saw, if you'd seen Jeeve just pointing and holding for minutes, 
it was like, okay, well, now we got to start moving forward. And I never did that. I just, and then the pointing time started to go lower and lower and lower, you know, and I would just take note of that. I didn't do anything. But when she was, once she could retrieve a, a, a shot bird, you know, I shot birds. We shot birds for her when she was, I don't know, three months old, four months old, because the pointing was so good and because she wasn't going to go take the bird away or eat it or something. Uh, well, actually, yeah, I did have a little bit. It's my bird stuff. So then we stopped Upland and kind of got a little bit of the fundamental come to me when I call you stuff and then went back where I could shoot birds. And I, I think that's all that was all videoed on Facebook as well. I, for a while, she would go out and get the bird and go, hey, thank you. And then I kind of was out there trying to go get her. And I first I used a cord not to do anything on the pointing, but just to get her back. So I had to battle that one, but I, I wasn't upset and I was like, oh no, this is ruining everything. None of that. Okay. Just had to get her to bring it back. And so when she would do that, then went back and I showed that on Facebook. That's all filmed showing her now going back out, pointing, getting a bird shot, bringing it back to me. So we just evolved through her youthful childlike way of thinking about all that. And that's what I paid attention to was what is she thinking on all this stuff and then her sister who wasn't on you know lived at home until she was six months old and I got her and she wasn't able you know because they actually have kids in a life wasn't able to be on birds all the time and all that so when I first got her she pointed um for five six seven seconds the first time was pretty long after that it was shorter and then she just got into this is just too good and jumping on them so her little mind accelerated real rapidly. Plus, she was going through obedience and force fetch. So she got a different set of signals. Uh, it all kind of jammed together a little more than G did. And so I did a variety of different things. I keep putting her on birds. and it, But if she just kept busting in and trying to catch them, you know, I'd go back and I tried some stuff and I worked some woe. I put a cord on her. Um, I did a lot of things that <clears throat> the strong-handed uh, pointer guys do. And nothing just concretely worked, except I kept communicating to her what it was I wanted out of this. I had seen her point, so it wasn't like I was, you know, it, uh, forcing her to do that. I, I'm a, just a purist on that. They got to show me point. You know, and I know a lot of people laugh at that. They got to show me point before I'm going to go in there and really try and you know, make them a good pointer because yeah, you can tell the difference. Anyway, um, so I went in there and got all that going on her and, and she began to understand what the expectation was and she was kind of worried and nervous and confused. She was not being a bad dog. She was not trying to thwart me and just do whatever she wanted. She was literally confused between this desire to point, this very aggressive desire to get birds, and then all the stuff I was telling her. And it is because I just stayed at it without he too huge of, of interventions, but never just letting her get away without just going there and catch it. For, she's fully de-chased. You know, she would go in there and and bust that bird up and then just stop and watch it fly away. So I had all the tools there. I just didn't have her mind in the right place. So, and I know that's where a lot of people go hard and heavy with a lot of interventional stuff. And these guys, it just didn't seem like the right thing to do. And, and so now she's, 
beginning to put the pieces together and pointed and held and all that stuff. So that was good. My point in that long talk is that, in my opinion, as opposed to the Acme Pointing Lab Productions uh, manufacturing line here, where you always do the same thing with every dog, put them through the same deal, and you get the same result. I have never in my life been able to make anything like that actually work. You know, there's I, I have a, a, a several things that I do with all these guys. You know, I do the D-chase, I stay in gun range, we'll break, I do all that stuff. But that doesn't always mean that it all comes together in their little head and heart the way that you want it to. So when you are working with these guys, particularly when they're puppies, one of the first things you have to do with the little guys is you have to let them learn about these live birds in the field. And when they're little, that's not live birds in a launcher. That's not live birds in a cage because none of that is ultimately what you got the dog for. And so if you just start right in with artificial stuff, they never get to learn that there's a this the bird out there, this warm body that has a certain smell, un, unwounded live smell, and that when they find it, you know, it's just such a such a fulfilling, rewarding thing to do. And I believe that you have to let that happen. So I know people put cords right off on dogs, and you know, and Sometimes it works for them really well, but I'm not going to address that. I want first, one thing at a time, is for that dog to find in their head and heart the joy and passion of this finding birds in the field without being corrected or instructed. Because, and I've always used this kind of a, a weird example, but it's like if you were going to start dating at 13 and your mom went with you and said, no, 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 don't sit on that side, sit on the other side. No, don't interrupt. It, just, it would be make dating a little bit hard uh, because you didn't get to be you. Somebody was telling you. So I And I think it's the same way with these guys. So when they're very young, and even if they've never seen a bird, like when, when I got Kai, the sister, in, and she hadn't been on birds, first thing, so she's, she's already holding point and doing this kind of stuff at that age. I just put her on birds. You can, you know, bust them up, chase them. You can do, I had to get all of that going first. So she's like, oh, this is awesome. Not a lot at that age, but I had to kick on that light bulb, bulb of that. And I believe that kind of stuff without intervention. So once you get that in their head where they understand, and then you begin to have some control issues because this is less like too, too good, right? Um, depending on the dog's age, you can't do real lots of control stuff other than with a cord when they're young. When you do cord stuff with dogs, which I used to never do and now I do for a, a specific reason. I, I cord for a specific neat reason, not because, well, this is always what you do. But when you, when you are doing that, all right, you are basically um, nagging them, in a sense, every step of the way. In other words, they feel the drag of this thing, and they learn very quickly that you are going to be able to control them. And so you can, might get a dog that goes, okay, I'll do whatever you say. Or you get a dog that goes, well, I'll just try to resist this as much as I can because I don't like it. Or you get a dog that gets real resentful. You know, it goes, take this sucker off and I'll show you. I mean, there's a lot of different things you can get. In my opinion, 
if you're going to do any interventional things, don't do them on a little tiny puppy. I just can't see that. But when they get, you know, to be more like young teenagers and stuff, and you start to do interventional things, what you want, for one, if a dog is not pointed and it's a strong pointing dog, out of pointing lines, now that doesn't mean it's going to point. It has gives you a much, much higher probability. But And there's no harm in doing this stuff with a dog that ultimately isn't going to point. But a lot of times, for reasons I don't always understand, you know, some guys just point like, gee, day one, always, ever after that. And then others, which I've seen, I've seen four times, didn't point at all. Not at all. For like a year, year and a half. And then, bleep, just start pointing um, based on something that finally clicked in their heads. Maturity and experience and I don't know what all. So when you go in and intervene, what you want to do with that, if it's doable, is kick open that, kick, kick that little light bulb on. That's the pointing thing. Sometimes these dogs are so aggressive and so intense about this bird finding thing that, that, that they never get to kick in the passive freeze, don't move thing. It's in there, but it, it gets just completely washed over by this aggressiveness. And so any intervention that you do is one that's trying to uh, sort of block the aggressiveness to let that passive pointing thing kick in. Every time I've seen the cord work or some of the little bit stronger ways of doing that stuff, it's because all of a sudden, for the first time, that dog was like, whoa, and it feels kind of right. And they can't. They can't go because they're being restrained or punished or withheld or whatever. They can't go. And suddenly there's an awareness of this other aspect to their the way they are that now suddenly comes to light. And I've seen this. I've seen this work. That's why I used to never cord. Now I will cord sometimes. And the purpose of that cord is to bring on that passive light. Now, if I have to restrain them every single time, they never once kind of adopt that, that stillness that I'm forced on them. If they never adopt that, believe what you see. Right? Believe what you see. But sometimes if you're paying attention, as opposed to going through the motions on this cord deal, if you're paying attention to when does that dog's mind go from super aggressiveness, I want that, to that freeze thing. That's what you're looking for. That's how you know if this cord thing is starting to work and other ways of mechanically stopping them. If you just constantly do it for them, and then hope that they learn, all right, as soon as you get this close to a bird, you stop, you know, then that's what you're training them. But if you want to bring the point out, you got to be where you can see where all of a sudden that pointing feeling that they get begins to actually emerge from this very aggressive dog. So in my world, that's what that cord is for. And I've seen it work, I think... Um, mo almost every time on a strongly, on a strongly, uh, bred pointing dog. But once they start that, once you can see them, you know, you, they going in on the bird and you keep them from going all the way in and they stop. Sometimes you can see that point come out the tail, 
goes, you know, freezes and the breathing gets real intense and they really, and you can see a dog, you just see a little bit of it. And then they catch themselves and they try to go again and you have to restrain them. When you first begin to see that, doesn't mean take the cord off, you got a pointer. But what you want to do is continue to use that form of intervention until you can, until it starts to become, they start to point without you. Um, and without you having to restrain that. And that's when then you use your other things, your woe stuff and all that. De-chase, of course, is super powerful in that stuff. You use that to um, then bring that natural, nice, stylish point that you don't have to be there to control all the time. And, you know, if you have to always tell your dog to stop, then you don't have a dog that just goes out there and slams one of those beautiful points. And that's, I, I assume, what most people are looking for, um, is that kind of thing. So on this cord business, um, it's not like, okay, use the cord, show them what you want, and just do it a lot, and then they'll start pointing. It's going to be a lot more effective if you are watching for that dog's state of mind and degree of passivity or aggressiveness and how it changes with your intervention. You have to do that kind of stuff. Now, if you start intervening before the dog really understands what it's doing, and by really understands, guys, I'm talking about on a dog level, not on your level. If you go out and put your dog on birds several times, you know, I don't, 10 times even, I don't care, and you're going, all right, we got it. One, I'd, I'd have to see that dog. But to, to know if I'd agree with that or not. But when that dog looks out in the field and goes, I know what we're doing. And they begin to show a little bit of understanding and wisdom about how they hunt and where they look and how they use the wind. When you begin to see that and, of course, the great passion for it. When you see that with consistency, then if you start intervening, you have to watch and make sure that you're not killing the, the desire and belief in what they're doing. I think that's really strongly. You know, you can tell when you're watching a dog in the field or when you're judging when a dog is dutifully doing what it's supposed to versus doing what God intended, and that's going out there and hunting those birds and pointing and all that stuff. And so I assume most people are working towards the very authentic, real pointing dog that has that, you know, really beautiful point. And the way you get that is not by going through a rote set of things, but on watching what that dog's telling you in their state of mind. And if you always do the work for them, and I've said this on every other topic I've ever talked about, if you just stop them every time, and, you, and again, you're not paying any attention to what their head's telling you, you're just going through the motions of using the cord, and you stop them every time, you're going to teach them that that's what happens out there. <laughs> they go out there and you stop them and then they stay there and you get them steady to the flush and all that other stuff that you want to do and they are thinking okay this is the dance routine that we're doing there's no music getting played in that kind of deal so you have to be careful i i think the intervention on on the point i think that is a very artistic thing i i really do and you have to be aware of if the dog is beginning to have that emerge from their psyche or whether they're just dutifully doing it. That is a lot of what depends on your use uh, of the cord. The other thing on, on this topic that I th think would be very helpful to people if they were aware of it is that there are a lot of elements to uh, a finished pointing lab or just a good upland 
pointing dog. There's a lot of elements to that. Fewer to us and more to the dog. But the dog is what matters, you know, not you. I mean, you matter, but it's what, if you're training this dog, then you need to see where they are and what they're making of this. And I use the G sister as an example. She, I, you know, I told you she, I would, she was, she'd point and be aggressive. She was de-chased and I woe break, you know, and I'd try the woe thing and, and she would not honor that at all. And, and she was very, she wasn't belligerent. She's not that way. She was confused in her head about what exactly was all happening out here. She knew that she loved running through the field at top speed. She loved looking for birds. She loved when they flew and the gun went off. And she loved going there and getting her mouth on them and bringing them to me. Okay, she loved all that. But here I got all this other stuff going on. You know, one is she's a big runner. You know, and I at, she's early, young, and I keep her, you know, reasonable range. So I keep her in. So I'm, you know, making sure the reminder stay, stay in my vicinity all the time. Um, so that's one thing. And then she's using her nose and thinking and looking and seeing where it would be and all thinking about all the stuff they have to think about to find these guys. Um, and then she's doing that. And then when she goes into the bird, then all the aggressiveness on her was overriding the other stuff. Right. And so when I started, I put the cord on her and did all that kind of stuff. She's like, what, on, what is this? What, you know, and she was, cause that's, that just had never happened to her before. So now we drop our, our intensity and our all of our enthusiasm because it's like, what is this apparatus I have on here? What is this? And so she was very confused about that. So I can't be upset when I went out with her doing that. And she was like, what is this? And you, she even blinked a bird a few times because she's like, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. I don't want to get in trouble. I don't understand. And that's exactly what it was. She didn't understand. And my job as the trainer was, one, to take the time, because it wasn't going to happen in two sessions, to take the time to let this dog begin to understand, okay, we're still doing that great bird thing. Promise that. But, yeah, I'm a little bit more connected with you right now, and it's just going to be a little different. So with patience... And a little, you know, going this week and then the next week and then the next week with patience, then in her head and in her heart, she began to see what this deal was. And so it wasn't like, what is this on me? I have no idea. She was like, yeah, whatever. And we began to get back to the stuff and get the blinking going away because nothing bad's going to happen to you um, on this. It, so I hope this is making sense. I had to take time knowing this dog wasn't just going, oh, heck with you. I'm just going to grab these things. I'd seen her point, styly point. So I knew it was there. And I had to let all of the aspects of this, not only are you looking for birds, using the wind, staying in range, paying attention to me if I make any sound at all, but also now you have to think about stuff on that bird that you never did before. You have to open a part of yourself on that bird that had never been opened before. You just don't instantaneously do that all the time. I've seen a few that have. But generally it's something that they have to kind of work their way into uh, understanding, trusting, and then having it become a habit. And that's probably some of the biggest mistakes I see people make um, in developing their pointing dogs when they, especially when you're kind of new and because this is 
a non-trivial thing. That's why there's not 10 billion excellent pointing lab trainers out there, because it's hard to do right, and you have to make some adjustments. But we all need to give these guys a little bit more time um, as we are trying to have one strong desire inside of them, not totally wash over another desire or response that they have. These two are kind of different things in the same dog. And if you've gotten all the aggressiveness stuff built up as a puppy and never let that passive thing come through unfettered and unmessed with, then it doesn't, it's just a teeny tiny berry thing, and this go get them thing is really big. So if you're going to have to try and open the door for that little tiny passive thing, <clears throat> that doesn't mean you squish the go get them thing, but it just means now you're going to have to have opportunity time, and you're going to have to intervene a little bit so the aggressiveness is reined in until the light of that passive thing comes to light. I, I hope that makes sense. It, this is such a difficult thing to explain. So every dog, in my experience, is not done exactly the same. Ideal situation is puppies on birds. Puppies on birds. And puppies on birds without people messing with them. And then as soon as the puppy's old enough, then they learn, okay, you don't get to do whatever you want. You can't catch a bird. You can't chase the bird forever. Um, you get, they've got to learn all of that stuff, but they need to learn about that. And then as soon as they're old enough to grasp, starting to draw a few lines in the sand, you have to do that. You can't ever kill the desire for that to go get that bird. And many, many, and you can see them, you can see them in the field. When some dog goes out there and they get in the, where there's a bird and they have had, uh, corrections and punishment on a bird, you can see it. You, uh, the way there it's no longer a dog in its heroin field it is a dog on oh no i hope i don't do this wrong and that's got to be one of the ugliest sights in the world and it's not necessary but that dog's state of mind was not taken into account it was just made to behave a certain way in the presence of a bird and so it was never allowed to develop its own get that passiveness that pointing thing in there and let that really blossom out along with the high desire to do this stuff. And again, I'll say there is an art to this. And, you know, I, I know several people that are really good at it with different kind of dogs. And, we, and when you talk to them, you know, yeah, they have a way they do this, but there's adjustments and, and stuff that they make to, uh, to make sure that, that uh, you know, you, you have the style and the intensity and the boldness and the understanding of what the expectation is. So that's most of what I wanted to say. I, there's several issues with people and several things in here. And it, for me to be talking about courting dogs is a new thing in the last few years. But because I finally, finally, slower than the dogs, figured out about that kind of war going on inside their head with a super aggressive, you know, and some of our dogs, you know, they run 400 yard long retrieves. They swim in ice water, freeze themselves. They will die to go do a retrieve, right? They're so intense about it. And yet that same dog has to go, there's a bird, boom, and never move. Just think about that. I mean, those things are really in building your ideal dog, right? You want to balance between those two things because if one of them is way bigger than the other one, 
you have a problem if you're trying to get to the finish level. If you're not, you know, go for it. But it's very, it's just, you got to be very careful on, on that thing. If the pudding is important to develop it. You do want them bold. You do want them loving to retrieve more than anything else. And yet you want to develop that other almost opposing side that's very passive and freezes in the presence of a bird. It must most easily done if you do it young. But if you have to do it later on, instead of just courting a dog or belly, belly collaring a dog or whatever means you do to teach them, don't you dare go in on that thing. Before doing that, you need to understand what you're really trying to do. And that is open up that part of their thinking, that part of their behavior and response to that more passive behavior. And then developing that at the rate that the dog can develop that. And it isn't going to be on a couple sessions. Without, if you do, if you really intervene hard, you go hard with that belly collar, you know, that could make a dog go, I am never <laughs> going after a bird again. I don't even want to find them. You get the more interventional and, and tough you are the, uh, on our retrievers, the dicier you're making that situation. Usually, I would say if you just use a little more time and practice and sort of make it build it in as a habit versus, a, oh my God, I'm terrified of this it'll last long it'll be effective so intervention on pointing and and uh, developing it and bringing it out requires birds requires consistency with birds even if it's really hard to get to or do and requires you understanding what that dog is doing in their head while they're doing that if they're just super aggressive and that's all you've got understand that's what you have and that that passive part is just absolutely washed over like a tidal wave, just washed into the dirt. And they don't even, it's not, they can't even recognize it. So when you intervene, what you're trying to do is bring out that part of their thinking, that part of their behavior, that, and, and keep it from getting washed over. And then doing it with some practice and repetition. And when you see it start to come out, come out which you can. I've courted dogs, and we're holding on to them, and taking all the strength that I have and uh, all of a sudden that tail just goes straight out and just locks right and all of a sudden they're in that state of mind that you want on a point and it's the first time they ever did it and they did it because you you kept them there long enough until suddenly that and that's like we have hope here you know this is going to work now court everybody nope you know I've never courted G in, in her life and I don't need to or her mother or a lot of dogs I'm not going to intervene with a dog that doesn't need to be intervened with. I'm just going to, not in a week. It's not like, okay, let's get this going because we have a test next week. That does not work. But I am, like I've done with G, over time, watch what her, what her head's doing, going, oh, now it's her bird. i got to work on that. I don't go out in the field and get after her out there. I go address the behavior and the response somewhere else. Then we come back in the field and reap the results of that. And take the time. If I have to pull out of the upland field for two or three weeks or a month, I do it. Because when we go back, I'm going to have a problem gone. And I can get the stuff that's good to continue to develop. And that's been, for me, the way to get these guys to a finished level. Um, as non-corrective um, and punishing as possible. And maintaining a high desire and level of interest and uh, you know as much style as that dog has 
And it, it, but it, it, like everything else, it's going to require you to sit there and look at what that dog is thinking and what responses you see. And that's what you respond to. And it changes. You're, you have a student there. So be aware. Be aware of what's happening, what changes. And, you know, if the cord starts working, don't just take it off. Then let them drag it and see if what happens. Take your time. Let a habit get going before you start making more changes. And don't do anything just super suddenly. Put yourself in their shoes. That's a lot of stuff out there. That's their world. That's what they were meant for. And they're not like we are, which is black and white. This is, how, this is what you need to do. This is what I expect. This is a learning thing, and it takes time. And the best way for you to be successful is to be able to say what's going on in that dog's head. And you won't always know, but at least be open to trying to figure it out. Because the more you can do that, uh, the more effective you're going to be with that dog. So I hope that helps a few of you. Um, still winter, still cold, but uh, it won't be long. We'll start talking about the tests and t test prep and all that kind of stuff. I hope everybody is staying safe, healthy, happy, warm, and G and I will be back soon.